Welcome to episode 22 of the Over the Counter Podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. And I'm Andrew Whaley. In a certain sense, this should be called 22A. <laughs> this is like, yeah, this is the se- this is 22.1 or something. This is, so this is the episode that's getting recorded after the previous episode was magically deleted by the Apple gods. In it was not iPhone. deleted by the Apple gods. Yes, it was. No, it was the Tascam gods. That we tried a new piece of hardware to fit on my old iPhone. Sorry, I'm turning the volume down. You're probably hearing weird clicky sounds, but it's Andrew, yeah. Andrew just talks too loud. So I I, yeah, come down. on. So, um, yeah, so we, I had 60% on my phone, and we were trying out this new little attachment by Tascam to see if we could record with it. But the, I have a very old phone, and the battery goes yeah, from yeah. 29 to zero sometimes. So, and it, it didn't save the file. So we, you missed a brilliant podcast about well, blind we'll, spots. We'll have to recover that. We're going to go back on that. Yeah. I think we can recover the file still. I'm still hoping that we can recover the file. But I, I think you're crazy. It's not there. But but so now our technological frustration. Has, has now had its backlash, yes. and we, we our are, luddite sensibilities are rising to the fore. Right, we're techno. We've decided we're techno luddites. We oh, talk about technology I, all the time, but I, we, no, well, and I, we use technology. All I the think time. we're hypocritical luddites. We are hypocritical luddites. Yes, yeah. I mean, if we were the real thing, we would have joined the lead pencil club. Right, I blog about lead pencils. Yeah, <laughs> which is such. A yeah, that's so. That's so hypocritical. Yeah, but if I didn't blog about You're it, like only, a heretic or something. I mean, only I could read it if I just wrote it down with a pencil. So no, you could mail it to your friends. After I copied it by hand, yes, for every one of them. No, no, you would just hire a scriptorium, and the monks would do it for you. I could get some carbon paper. Now we're talking. So um, I am going to buy a traditional typewriter. Speaking of carbon paper, okay. So getting away from it all is is maybe what we'll entitle this, but but. Uh, it's something that's actually really hard for most people to do, to just turn off and get away from everything right? and get back to nature or whatever it is. And, well, there's just a great example of this that's worth talking about. There's this fantastic article about this guy named Neil Kashgari, who was one of these like really high-placed Treasury Department officials who was basically in charge of the whole TARP bailout program back in 2008-2009. And... After he had sort of done, you know, all this tons of work, working 100-hour weeks, you know, trying to get the bailout thing taken care of and saving the economy and whatever, he quit and left and went to Northern California and built himself a cabin in the woods. And a small cabin. <laughs> and it's more of like a Unabomber wood. shack. So, uh so, so I'm, 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 this is this. So, this story is from the Washington Post by uh, what's her name, uh, Laura Blumenfeld. This is back from December sixth, two thousand and nine, um, and so she's t- telling the story of this guy. And let me just read a little bit uh, to you. So, um, uh. All right. On May 1st, after serving seven months under Presidents Bush and Obama, he resigned, Kashgari. Within a week, Kashgari and his wife put their belongings into indefinite storage. They moved to a cabin near the Truckee River in Northern California. Okay, so he didn't build the cabin. He moved to a cabin. Off the map, he told his friends. He threw away his business cards and made a list of the things he wanted to do. Now, what fascinates me is the list. One, build shed. Awesome. Two, chop wood. 
Three, lose 20 pounds. Four, help with Hank's book. Hank was the Treasury Secretary at the time. Um, <laughs> so he called this his four-step his four-step program, Washington Detox. And so this reporter is interviewing him six months after he moved to this cabin in Northern California. And he's he's like walking his dogs in the mountains, in the woods, you know, like and there are streams and pine trees and coyotes and all this kind of stuff. Um, and to me, I'm thinking, man, that would just be so great. Yeah, right. I you know? so fantasize about this. It's, it's, I literally have like, I have burned hours on the internet looking at like tiny house movement websites and like how to make a cabin. And I said, I so fantasize about like going out here in the mountains someplace getting some little bitty cabin on the end of a dirt road out in the middle of nowhere. And a friend of mine, we were in a cabin last weekend and it was, but it was like in a neighborhood. It was like a cabin with all these other vacation properties around. And he, and I'm like, this isn't nearly far out enough. I want to be out far enough to where I could just scream at the top of my lugs and no one will hear me. Yeah. Because occasionally I think I just need to let out a nice loud primal scream just to decompress. Right. And if you scream in the middle of the woods and there's no one to hear you. Wow. Uh, you're going to go there, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but, so the point is, though, I mean, like <laughs> what this guy did is exactly what so many of us like deep down really actually want to do. I and you know and right, it, to just cut the umbilical cord of all responsibility, just go out there to some remote someplace somewhere, away from it all, and just be. And and I think there's two things, three things. I think the first one is we want to get away from our responsibility because that is and all the things that we've and I think the other thing is that we want to get away from all the things that we 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 subtly understand that we have created a bunch of distractions that are keeping us from actually doing something. And we want to just like kind of like tie, tie ourselves to the mass, so to speak, where the siren can't be answered long enough and maybe we'll stop hearing it. But that ultimately, I don't know, for me, I am such an extrovert that if anyone is around, if I think that there might be someone on the other side of that ridge... It's like I will try to go talk to them. <laughs> I will talk to them. I will think about what I'm going to say. I will. I'm on, and so I have to really get isolated to not be on. Well, see, you know? this is why I like mad scientists. Yeah, right. Because every mad scientist needs a mountain fortress. Right. I need a fortress of solitude, like Superman. Yeah. yeah. So, or even a bat cave. So one of my boyhood heroes, right, is the scientist Nikola Tesla. You know who he is? I, I yeah. I just I just started watching a documentary on he Tesla. He is probably just one of the most intriguing people who has ever lived. But at a certain point in his life, he went and built a mountain fortress here in Colorado, no less, near Colorado Springs. A mountain fortress. Yes, and that's where he developed some of the craziest things that he ever developed. Uh, which I don't think included a um, magician replicator machine. Unlike that movie, you know, I, I love how you you mock me because I believe in aliens, but then you're like you're, but all, all of a sudden you're like Mr. Tesla, like you just love like oh he was making energy out of the air. The guy and was I'm, incredible. Like he invented the Tesla coil, he invented alternating currents, 
he basically invented fluorescent lights, neon lights, the internet, you know, intergalactic communication, everything. But there's no one to communicate intergalactic because well, only dumb people. He claimed believe. to have heard signals. Only dumb people believe signals in aliens, from Mars. right? Yeah. You missed our the podcast that got deleted. Oh he yeah, was well, ripping. True. He was ripping on people who believe in aliens, which I happen to be one. No, of. no. The point was that there are a lot of smart people that believe in aliens. Right, but you were saying that's really dumb. I did. Yeah, it is dumb that there are a lot of smart uh, people that believe in aliens because there's yeah. no evidence. See, that's why you should never go to a cabin out in the middle of nowhere because they will kidnap you. They will, they will sudden, suck you all up. All of a sudden, a crop circle will appear. They will just suck you up in that beam of light. Just because a flying saucer will descend from the sky. And they're going and take to like put you on a dimension. stainless steel table yeah, and yeah. probe you okay, because well, you talked bad about them. Hey, this would be great. I, for one, welcome. Can, I welcome our giant squid overlords. If, if you can find some wealthy smart person who believes in extraterrestrials to pay for me to just go to a cabin in the woods for six months to experiment and see whether I get abducted. I'd be happy to do that. Dude, I'm going to do that myself if I could find that. Guy. So, <laughs> so what is it What is it about... Yeah, I, I also... There, okay, I was just talking to Chris Stefanik about this, too. I was saying that... Because him and his family went to Cabo San Lucas on vacation, and I'm like, dude, I just have this on my bucket list. I just wrote this down the other day again. I want to go someplace not just warm and tropical... I want to go someplace just completely isolated. I want to be on a tropical island by myself with enough fish and fruit and clean water for months. And I just want to stay there for like a month by myself just and just fish and eat fruit. That's I mean, just I want to wear maybe a pair of trunks and just swim and fish and eat fruit for yeah, a I month. Mean, so, But the, the mountains will be even better, I think. Well, there have been a lot of popular... Um, what do you call them? Pop culture type things that have dealt with this kind of thing, whether it be like Gilligan's Island or right. what was that weird TV show about an island or flew into it? No, 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 no. The, the earlier, like 1970s. Oh, Fantasy Island. Yeah, right. That was kind of the same idea. The plane, the plane, completely bizarre. Um, that that was a resort though, but that was like, dude, I never thought about the parallels between Fantasy Island and Lost. I think they were the same island. There you go. There you go. And it was on the back of a turtle swimming somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Because we're all really small. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I wanted I wanted to return to part of this article for just a second about this guy Neil Kashkari who quit the Treasury Department and went to chop wood. Yeah. So this is under step two of his program. Here's here's how the story reads: Kashkari raises his axe. It felt like I got jumped. Whack. Like three guys beat the crap out of me. Whack, whack. The whack sound is him chopping wood. Just in case you're wondering. The massive block of sugar pine breaks. The crack bouncing off the mountain. Kashkari is recalling his testimony before Congress while splitting logs to feed the stove for the winter. He is down to his last two chainsawed trees. Quote, Members of Congress will tell you that they agree with you, and then in public they blast you. I understand their anger, but the plane at politics when so much was at stake. Whack! The axe blade flies off its wooden handle. <laughs> so, anyway, he had been grilled by Congress as, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, I, I, here's I, mean, a, I, I mean, most of us don't have a traumatic personal experience necessarily, right? Like being grilled like by Congress. 
that causes us to want to flee into the woods. No, but I think that that, that desire to – I think there's two things going on there. There's frustration and just being sick of it. Yeah. But there's also this desire for the real manly human tactile. Yeah. Right? And it's like – um, our mutual friend that we've interviewed on here, Ken Kramer, just like not too long ago, I saw on Facebook, his, he went camping by himself for a weekend. And his goal in going camping was to cut down a tree with an axe. So he went someplace where he's allowed to do such a thing. And he found a tree. And he took a big old axe with him. And he actually did something that men have done for a very long time. And he just started whacking on this tree with an axe and he cut it down. And I haven't talked to him about it. I've been meaning to ask him about it. That is – that just – I think that things like that, like building a shed, building something, cutting something down, hacking something – Killing something and then grilling it or something. I mean, these, these things, we kind of have a strange kind of like a – they seem more real to us in this world of Formica and, you know, wafer board and drywall and plastic and ones and zeros and files, you know, and all that right. crap. I mean, that, you know? I, I mean, in a weird way, in a certain sense, how do you put this? It's like the great irony of our age is maybe a way to say it, but maybe it's not quite right where right, right. I don't know. I don't know exactly how how to say it. But what I'm trying to say is, as we've developed technologically, and we've built more and more sophisticated systems for containing our lives, whether it be mm-hmm. fancy cars, fancy houses, fancy office buildings, whatever, mm-hmm. um, it's gotten faker and faker. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right? it's, it's like layer of fake upon fake. So you really can wake up in your air conditioned house. Take a shower in purified water, get into your air-conditioned car mm-hmm. uh, with your Keurig coffee pot brewed coffee. Oh, heaven forbid. Right? Open the garage door, drive to work, go t- drive into the garage at work, right? Get out of your air-conditioned car, get into your air-conditioned office, work all day, get back into your air-conditioned car, drive back into your garage, get into your air-conditioned house, and sleep on your artificial foam mattress. You know what I mean? It's like everything we're surrounding ourselves with is artificial. Yeah, but it's I mean, that being said, it's like we try and try not having it. Right. You know, it's like I mean, it's like no the summer we don't have air conditioning we have a swamp cooler, but when it got a little muggy it stopped working as well and I'm like, "Oh my god, it's like I'm like sweating." It's like I haven't done that in a while because I lived in California for 10 years and I had air conditioning in the Midwest. Just the contrast. I remember watching this uh, documentary about China and they're interviewing this woman who lives in rural Tibet, you Mm -hmm. know, miles away from the nearest town or whatever. And like one of her neighbors who lives a couple miles away comes to help her clean or something. And the way that she um, pays her is by feeding her dinner, right? And the dinner is like... You know, yak butter uh, tea with some sort of pretty gross-looking stew that's cooked over a fire. And you know what the fire is made with? Yak dung. Yeah, right. Because there's no trees up there. In right. Tibet. It's at high altitude. Oh, dung is one of the oldest. Um, so that's a great way fuels. to make a fire. Yeah. Dung. Why not? And I think to myself, man, I don't think I've ever encountered a dung fire in my life. And to cook over one every day. You know, that just sounds. Whoa. You know, so they, uh, that, 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 that bread that you get in health food stores, the Ezekiel bread, mm-hmm. you know, and it's got the, 
the little recipe on it, take unto yourself from the, sure, the Ezekiel. Sure. And I always laugh because it leaves uh, it leaves out the last part of the recipe where it says, "and cook it over a fire made of human dung." <laughs> it's like, and, and then Ezekiel's like, to paraphrase, "Oh God, that's nasty. I'd never do something nasty like that." And he says, "Okay, you could use cow dung." <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I wonder. I like, I like, I just hope that they don't really take that recipe very seriously because I've bought that bread before. You know, so but I'm assuming that they probably don't. So I'm not. I don't mean to disparage the the good name of Ezekiel bread. So getting, sure, a, getting not away from it all, I think, is a kind of um, what is a, it? It's a fiction. What is it that we're trying to get away from? Is the question. Well, we're trying to get away from a giant system in which we live. Right. In a certain sense, it's it's like in the Matrix, right, where you cut the cord and you get out of the Matrix, and now you're in the real world, but the real world stinks. And the Matrix is really comfortable, but you don't want to live in the Matrix because it's fake, right? Right. It's kind of like that, only not as quite as comprehensive, right? I mean, we live in a artificial system of right. of things like you know retirement accounts and 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 uh, uh, emails and things like this, where you know everything we're doing on a day to day basis is so. This is so becoming what so, our podcast is about. Well, it's so non tactile. Well, but it's but it's funny. But it's like I think about get away from. We're trying to get about back this all to time. what it really means to be human. So this this makes me think of um, something I was just listening to yesterday from the Art of Manliness podcast. Oh, I love Art on on uh, Roman valor. Sorry, Roman Roman honor. They have a podcast. Yes, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, I love that. But anyway, the interview, the scholar who wrote a book called Fire in the Bones, talking about Roman honor. And that, I mean, I I haven't done my own research on this, so I can't, like, confirm this from a scholarly perspective or whatever. But but what she was saying, which she seems to be talking about what she knows about, is that for the ancient Romans, um, it wasn't so much like you had a soul, like God created a soul for you and put it in your body, and that was how it was. It was... You only had a soul insofar as you were expressing it hmm. by your action, right? And the the way to become a man, right, is to in ancient Rome is to is to uh, do acts of valor and acts of heroism, you know, whether it be in battle or, or something like this. And so they would have, uh, especially in early Rome, lots of contests of various kinds. Whether they be athletic contests or contests in in um, martial, uh, you know, you know, in sword fighting and this kind of thing, uh, in order to establish one's manhood, right, and right. honor, uh, and that for someone to be passive, right, or, or or to just sort of well sit at home and watch TV, let's put it that way, uh, would be to be soulless, right, to be unmanly, to be stuck in sort of a stag stagnation. Where your soul isn't really coming to the fore at all, hmm. um, and so for me, it was just really insightful is to think, you know, that's we we sort of, I mean, whether their metaphysics is right or not is not what I'm here to argue about right now. What right. the point is that there's something more alive about a person who is hungry and hardworking and is uh, doing things that change things and and is. Um, I don't, you know what I mean? Involved, right? Engaged in the world around them, right? Versus someone who is, who's, you know, basically comatose. You know what I mean? Who's, who's just coasting through life without engaging at all. I know it's like it's funny. It's like I was a friend in a, in a, in a different arena. A friend and I were talking the other day, 
and we're talking about you know trying to figure out what to do with your life or find someone to marry vocation discernment stuff like that and and it's like you know you know it's funny it's like how easy this was for my grandparents and my great-grandparents my grandpa grows up in a small town you work hard on the farm so that you don't starve and then there was a bad guy in germany who needed killing so they volunteered and he was a medic and he ran across battlefields and drug people out of battles and stuff and patched them up and sewed them up and saw guts and gore and all that stuff and then he came back and he went back to being a butcher and there was my grandma you know substantially younger than him and beautiful and lived in the same town and he said, hey, let's get married. And they did. And then they had kids. <laughs> it's like, you know, there, there's something really healthy about, you know, going and doing a job with a drill, coming home and eating some dinner and having a cold beer and hanging out with your wife and your kids. You know, I mean, that's a and I think that we in this modern, especially, you know, extended adolescents like me that are single and 43 and, you know, and, I, and play video games. Well, I, I've escaped that because <laughs> I saw the. But there are a lot of guys in their oh, 30s and right, 40s yeah, that play video yeah, games dude, like, for like hours a week. Right. I think it's like so on one side, I think we we think ourselves into i mean i know myself i think myself into a stasis i just get what do they call that um uh procrastinate what do they call it um anyway there's an old saying about uh, oh paralysis by analysis where it's like i just sit there and analyze something over and over again and never do anything about it i think that there's an attraction to just simplifying it all down you know, it's like, you know, David Allen, the guy who wrote Getting Things Done, he says, look, you get to this point where you have two options. You can get better at doing all this. Or you could put it all on eBay, housewife, kids, the whole F 401k, the whole nine yards, cash up, and just go sell hats to the tourists. <laughs> and he's like, and I'm not saying that's not an option. He says, I've met some very happy people in this world who own six things and make their money selling hats to the tourists, you know. It's, I think there's a part of us that just wants to just cash out and sell hats to the tourists, you know. Yeah. I, I There's a part of me, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, because it's, it's funny because it's not necessarily um, – just a, like an information worker uh, kind of problem. That's true. You know what I mean? I mean, there are blue-collar well, people in our society that I think have the exact same desire. When I straddle that line, I mean, sure. I do both. I mean, yeah. And so to me, it's it's uh, to me, I think the the artificiality of the world we live in can be so overwhelming, right? That you just want to get back to a place where you can smell a tree. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. And getting and back to to reality, something that is what it actually is, yeah, is a luxury now that costs a lot of money. Sure, we talked about this in the um, the food podcast we did sure. about food. I mean, I mean, if I want the stupid chicken that my dirt farming grandparents, great grandparents had, it's that's that's an organic, local, kosher killed, free range. Pastured, you know, whatever. That that's a thirty dollar chicken, right? Because right. you have to pay extra to opt out of the modern 
kind of like all the industrialization, right? Right. You, you have to pay money for the cabin to go out there and get away from all this stuff. Right. The guy had to be a tarp architect, that guy, you know, well, I'm sure to go by very well I mean, so in Washington, he, D.C. But the people, who, you know, there, a lot of people would probably do that, but you have to have a lot of money to be poor. Yeah. <laughs> You know, to really just kind of embrace that, to just not worry about it, right? You know? So I think there's the thing is that we want to get away from it at all. And I I keep asking myself, what is it that I'm trying to get away from? And what would it mean to get away from it? And I think the real problem is it is internal. The real it. Because I mean... I, Merton talks about this, how he's like, he says, if you're trying to get away from the world, if you're going to become a monk to get away from the world, that's the wrong reason to become a monk because you'll bring the world with you. Right. And he has one of his most profound con- contemplative moments where he just realizes that he just loves all these people on a super crowded corner in the middle of Louisville. Hmm. You know, JP2 has a moment like that where JP2 was with a friend. I, I read this in one of the bio, biographies and they're sitting there in the middle of like this super bustling city. And he says, ah, isn't this a great place to c- contemplate? Hmm. And so I think that there's something, I think we're trying to get away from something more than just plastic and formica and email. I think we're trying to, I think we're trying to tie ourselves to the mast. <laughs> And so like we're trying to get, we're trying to get, and it's like if I could just get far away enough from the damn siren, maybe that I don't have to tie as many knots. You know, we're trying to get far enough away to where we don't have to tie as many knots. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's you know the search for a kind of golden age that never really existed. Right. Right. Or or this kind of vain search for unending happiness and in earthly existence which can't really but I can't think, really arrive at I think that we've gotten to the point where there is a backlash where there are kids in school that don't know that carrots come from dirt I mean they don't people who don't know what things are made out of that wouldn't know that oh that wood I mean wood that's a tree you know there's people that don't connect that there's all these programs where you take inner city kids and even rich suburban kids and stick them in the outdoors and make them fish and hunt or something or like live in a cabin so that they can get outside of that reality. But even just living in a city a long time ago, if you go back, you know, even like when I was in Vienna, just sitting and having a coffee and every all the walls are stone and the floor is wood. Right. Or whenever I was down at um, Heiligenkrone's, the uh, monastery. And you're sitting under an ocean of a thousand years of stone. See, this ocean of stone carved into pillars and arches. And you don't have tons of electricity in the walls buzzing around you. And there's just kind of a stillness. It's like, you ever, do you ever feel your house? Here's what we crave. I'll tell you what we're craving. You think you shut everything off in your house and you go to bed and you think that you're experiencing silence. And then a storm happens and it knocks out your power. And you hear that crackle. And then you experience silence. 
right? Because you didn't realize that what you thought was silence was the weird hum of all the wires in the walls and that light that's turned off, but it's making a slight hum that you never notice and the refrigerator down the hall making that kicking off and on. And it just, you never really experience real silence. This is where we can make our million, right? Is that yeah. we could invent a refrigerator compressor that's absolutely silent. Well, you know what? I have a friend who's thinking about doing the the <laughs> to help people contemplate more and sleep. I, I on my bucket list of like if I could build like if I had like if I knocked down the lottery tomorrow and I was going to go build a house, I want to have a house that's like two parts, right? And there's a walkway in between that's covered in case it's raining or snowing. But the 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 sleeping quarters are completely cut off. From, I mean, there may be 50 feet from the rest of the house connected by this bridge. And there is a power switch. Like, you don't turn the light off. You turn the power off. Kunk. And when you go to sleep, if you need an alarm clock, it's going to be a cranker because there is no power. You're camping inside at that point. I just love that idea. I love the feeling of just being an absolute dead silence out like out in the woods like that. Well, it's kind of like when you look at the stars in the city. And you know, in Denver, I feel like you can see a lot of stars. I don't know why. Well, but wow. then you go The atmosphere is Then you go up into the mountains. Oh, and it's a whole different ball game, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. See, I think that there's something inside of us that goes, "Oh, we shouldn't be staying up so late with an electric light and watching TV and then having to get up tired. And and then, I mean, every morning that I have to open the shop, I'm in this stupid traffic. And it's 7 o'clock in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, and I'm stuck in traffic. And I'm going, I don't want to commute. I hate this. I hate that I have to start my day by getting up and leaving. And the way I leave is I get in some metal box with these wheels on it, and I go get. Right, well, people used to live where they worked, and I go get into a line with all these other sheep in these metal boxes, and we're all forced by this by sheer force of necessity to get up and throw ourselves into a metal box and go someplace to do something that we probably don't want to do because we need some money, right? Right. And it's like, and I have a, I enjoy what I do, but it's, there's something inside you that goes, no, this isn't how it's supposed to be, right? You know? Yeah, there's something a little bit off or inhuman about the way we go about things. But I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe we should just go chop some wood and then we'll come back. I mean, I like antibiotics. I like clean water. I like film. I think there's something to be said for having re- – I like the internet. I like the internet. I love email. I love being able to talk to someone halfway around the world immediately. So, But you've got to figure out a way to have all that without it having you. That's the trick. That is definitely the and trick. There, and the times when I feel like it has me, then I'm like – I mean like you and I were talking earlier today. It's like I have like three Twitter accounts – for Facebook account. I mean, because I have these projects, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's ridiculous. And I'm just like, I'm, yeah, I just, yeah. I think, I think, I think it has me. The Matrix has me. Well, I don't know if you really can get away from it all, but <laughs> <laughs> but you can't get away from this podcast. But at some point, see it coming you will mind. have to get away from this podcast, and maybe you can go out into the woods and build a shed and chop some wood and. 
uh, you know, blow some steam off. And if you're if you're gonna miss our podcast while you're out there because you have no power, for the low low price of like five thousand dollars, one of us will come tell you what we said on our last podcast out in the woods. We'll just come to you and sit at your big picnic table, drink your wine, and tell you what we said. We'll even have an original conversation with you. So as you chop your wood and scrawl away with your lead pencils, contemplating all of these wonderful Luddite fantasies of ours, we hope that you look <laughs> we're forward... on the internet. <laughs> we, we hope that you look forward to the next scintillating episode of the Over the Counter podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. And I'm Andrew Whaley.